got me a water. I brought one. Okay. Hallelujah. I didn't, I didn't know he'd get me one. I brought my own, but that's good. I'll take those two. Hallelujah. Let me pull this back this way a little bit more like that. I like that. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands and worship him a minute. Father, we worship you. We are so grateful to be your people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Something started working in my spirit a couple services ago. Let me see if I can pull that up. Father, we thank you for that. Yeah. Now, you've been instructed. You've been instructed in several services this week about being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. And the Lord would say to us that there are answers in the realm of the Spirit that you know not of. So you begin to give yourselves to praying in other tongues, praying in the Spirit. And you'll begin to pray out your future. You'll begin to pray out your family. You'll begin to pray out where you're going to live, who you're going to submit to as a pastor, a man of God, how you're going to live, what you're going to do with your life, your education, your money, your bodies. Everything is in you already as you pray it out in the Spirit. So realize there's much to be learned by praying in the Spirit. You may not know at the time you say it. It may not dawn on your mind. But as you pray and as you pray and as you pray, you'll begin to have enlightenment that will come. And it will come up from the inward man and illuminate your mind. And you'll know what to do in every situation, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. He said there's answers waiting on us in the spirit as we pray in other tongues. Because when you pray in other tongues, your spirit and God's spirit is connected inside yourself. And it's your personal prayer language that in many cases puts you over in life, both today, but listen, for the rest of your life. Make it a practice to pray in the Spirit. Learn the ways of the Spirit. Know the ways of the Spirit. And I'll use you greatly. I've not put limitations on anybody. People put limitations on themselves, saith the Spirit. Hallelujah. Well, thank you, Father. You let me get that out. Now, Father, I pray tonight that you would use me to speak forth the oracles of God and to minister with your ability in the precious name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. You could be seated. Praise God. What a great camp. I have had a marvelous time. I hope you have. I always say this is one of my favorite meetings to be in uh, in the year. And uh, we got so we're going to talk to you about a subject tonight. I thought I would go a little different direction about faith, but I am talking about faith, but maybe a little different aspect of faith, and that is faith in the supernatural. You need to be taught how to have faith in the supernatural. So you could be taught whatever you're teaching. You know what we what we don't know, we can't have faith for. You can't have faith for what you don't know. And you can't know unless somebody teaches you. Now, I mean teaching not just line upon line. I could do that. We're going to get into some scriptures, of course. But listen to what I'm saying because I'm going to give a lot of illustrations about how God has used me in the area of working of miracles. And in the stories, there's nuggets in there if you'll pay attention. See, that's one thing about me. I've, I've tried to be a really good student. I'm sure I've not been... 100% in sometimes, but I'm a pretty good student with the man that God put into my life and with, of course, the Father and the Bible, the Holy Ghost, who's my teacher. Hallelujah. So you can't know, you can't have faith for what you don't know. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the working of miracles, which is just one of the nine gifts of the Spirit or manifestations of the Spirit. And we need them all. Somebody says, what's the most important one? The one you need at the moment. So, hallelujah. I, I wrote something down here. God has more for you. It's just outside of your comfort zone. So I'm kind of challenging you with that. You're young. I'm getting older. I'll be 68 in about six weeks. Hallelujah. I've been walking with God uh, uh, for peace, as they say. You know, I got saved, I was 21, 
so about 45, 46 years now I've been saved, and 40, this is my 41st year, I'm into that, 41st year of full-time ministry, so, you know, I've been around the block a little bit, been to a couple county fairs in the hayride, I say, unless I'm out west preaching, and I say I've been to a couple county fairs in the rodeo, as they like that, all right, now I want to talk to you about miracles, and I want to begin in the book of Acts, chapter 15, I want to give you several scriptures, but I'm going to give you a whole lot of uh, personal illustrations, things that have happened in my life. But I want to talk to you just a little couple one-liner things here a minute. The greatest enemies to miracles are human reasoning and religion. See, this is what the problem is in some of our churches. You can't get healed because they don't teach it. You can't get delivered because they don't teach it. You can't, you can't move in the Holy Ghost because they don't believe that. So, you know, you're limited. The greatest enemies to miracles are human reasoning when you're trying to reason it all out in your head. Let me say it to you, a sl- a kind of a, you know, different way to say it. Get out of your head and into your heart. And you can't do that without praying in tongues. You can think you can, but you won't because your spirit is dwarfed by you not praying in tongues. Praying in tongues is a spiritual exercise. I know we're all into exercise and stuff, and you know, kiddingly, but some of us are. I'm not into it fully, but I'm learning to be better into it because I need to take care of my body because I'm getting older. <laughs> I want to live the rest of my life out. But see, spiritually speaking, a lot of people are just dwarfed. I was at a, a health spa many years ago with another pastor. Both of us were kind of heavy at the time. We looked like the two Pillsbury Doughboys sitting there in the steam room. And then walked a couple guys that had been lifting weights. They're ripped. You know, I had a two-liter. They had a six-pack. You know what I'm saying? And they got, they, they got talking, and they left. And I said to this pastor friend of mine, I says, you know, we look like them on the inside because we've been using our faith. We've been talking our faith. We've been using our faith to get somewhere. Because you're not going to get very far in any of this without your faith. And I'm concerned about that, but God, this is my assignment for tonight, so I'm going to go ahead with it. Talking to you about miracles because I want to stir a hunger in you for the supernatural power of God. And listen, if we don't hold on to it, it'll just drift away. I mean, even, even my church that I pastored all these years. Now, Jordan, he's a Holy Ghost guy. But, you know, if he doesn't maintain that, then after 10 years, people forgot about what I taught him. <laughs> I mean, sometimes forget about a miracle they got th- from God through me two days later. I'm just talking to you. I need the supernatural in my life. I'm not sure about you, but I do, and I want it. Hallelujah. So you got to get out of your head. See, your reasoning say. Oh, man, there's, there's no answer to that. That's because you didn't factor in the anointing. You factor in the Holy Spirit, the power of God that can work in your life and make all the difference in the world. And I pay attention all these years as a pastor and, and a, a man of God to other people, some of the tragedies and accidents they've gotten into. I got a young man that's a spiritual son to me now. He's starting a new church in Indiana. And he, he, he was going down a mountain and ran into a rock on his, with skiing. I don't know how fast he was going. He was just, well, he would have died on the spot had not a fireman been there. A, like a, what do you call it, a volunteer fireman happened to be on that mountain and turned him over. He was going to drown in his own blood. He was bleeding so profusely. And they medevaced him to the hospital, and he, he blue-lined on him on the way there. And they got him there, and his list of injuries were like three sheets. I went to see him. The guy that just did the facial repair on him took him 13 hours. And the next day I was sitting in the room and there with him, just he was, you know, not conscious. But in walks this nurse. She says, who are you? I said, I'm his pastor. Who are you? She said, I'm the nurse that works with the, what do you call it, the surgeon that did his face. I said, are you? I said, we prayed for that. She said, yeah, I know. I've been with him for many years as his assistant in surgery cosmetic surgery and said there was four or five times throughout the day he stopped and said out loud to all of us I don't know how to fix that and he would just stop and walk away from Sonny's body for a minute and he goes I got it 
that he'd come back and start doing something that he hadn't thought about until that moment. But see, we were praying. See, I'm talking about the supernatural. Now, Sonny would tell you if he's here, God told him not to go skiing, but he violated that inward witness and almost killed him. And then we, well, Mary's sitting back here, his mother. And then they came back from the facial surgery, took him 13 hours, Mary, wasn't it? And he sat down with us and he said, I think I fixed his face. I put 48 screws in him and 10 plates, but his lungs collapsed. I sent for the respiratory guy. So we got another verse that God gives the breath to all things. Then they said his carotid artery inside his neck was bleeding out, and they said there's no way to stop it. If you bleed enough, you're dead. So we, we stood on something to stop the bleeding. See, God gave us something to combat every situation, but if we were in our head just simply listening to the medical report, you would have thought there's no way this boy's going to get through this. But he did. I said he did. <laughs> he sure did. Hallelujah. On and on I could go about different things. We're just talking about a few things tonight, but it's going to be a good thing we're going to talk about. This is what Dr. Summerall said. The love of the world is the barricade keeping Christians out of the supernatural. When we begin to love the world more than we love the word, when we begin to love the world more than we love Jesus, when we begin to love the word, the world more than we love uh, the Holy Spirit and spending time with him, See, that's what he meant. The love of the world is the barricade keeping Christians out of the supernatural. Don't let that occur in your life. You may be on fire today, baby, but you're going to live on, you know. There's next month. There's next year. I'm just almost 70 years old now. I mean, just two, two and a half more years, two years and a month. Man, I don't know where it went to. Seemed like I was just having little babies about yesterday, but they're... One of them's Jordan. He's 30, and my daughter's 37. So, you know, we just uh, we learned some things as we went. I did. I tried to be a good student. And this, these things I'm talking to you about will help you a great deal. Now, Brother Hagen says this. I'm, oh, is this okay? I'm talking to you about, I'm going to go into more detail in people that have had miracles in our ministry. And I'm going to talk to you, but I wanted to say what Brother Hagen said about healing versus miracles. He said, healing is a renewal of the, uh, of the body from a diseased condition. And I'm thankful to be healed today and in health. But he says, a miracle is of the creative order. When God does something creative for somebody. That's what I'm talking about. Supernatural creative power starts working on people. And really, I had it even before I was spirit-filled. But I'll, tell, I'll just start from then. I got spirit-filled on a Saturday morning. It was May 1978, started speaking in tongues that morning in the afternoon. The Lord reminded me of a little girl in my church. She's 9 or 10 years old. Let's just call her Amy. And she'd had uh, tubes put in her ears four times. Uh, it didn't, didn't do what it's supposed You know, you had tubes to drain the liquid, to drain the drainage in your ear. It didn't do that, so all that liquid stayed in her eardrum and started rotting her eardrums on both ears. So she's facing major surgery the next Friday. They told me they were going to cut, it, cut her head open like that and open that up and go in there. And the doctor said, we're going to try to repair her. Well, the Lord dealt with me Saturday afternoon. He said, Michael, I want you to call her parents and ask them if you could pray for her tomorrow morning. Now, I just got spirit-filled the day before. I mean, that day when I called them, that Saturday in the afternoon, four or five, six hours after I'd prayed in tongues for the very first time. And I, they said, sure, that'd be all right. So I, I brought her up and <laughs> prayed for her. And she went back to the surgeon on Friday with mom and dad. And the nurse took her back to the pre-op to get her prepared for surgery. And they brought her right back out. And they said, this is your daughter. We recognize her. Is this your daughter? They said, yes. Said she doesn't need surgery. Everything's normal. <laughs> took her home from the hospital. Now, see, that was a creative miracle. That's different than a healing. As a creative, God created new eardrums for her. And her dad got mad at me and left my church over that. I'd like to, I'd like to see him today. You know, if you look in your dictionary of her, uh, in the word insanity, there's a picture of him. No, seriously. I mean, he, did, he, I mean, he wouldn't stand a chance with me today. I'd have blown him out of the tub, you know, 
talking, but I was a lot nicer back then. I'm still nice, but you're not going to fool with me like that. I will, I will put you. Okay. And I said to him, sir, you're kidding me. You'd rather your daughter go through the surgery and the pain of cutting her head open. And then they, even, and I'm not bad mouthing doctors. I, I appreciate them. Most of the doctors I know are more committed than the Christians with what they're doing. I didn't say they lived right, but still, you know, they're committed to help people. That's what I'm all about, helping people. But I said, you'd rather have your daughter suffer the surgeries and the recovery time and only just to hope that it was going to restore it. And God did it for nothing, didn't cost you a penny, didn't cost your daughter any. I mean, what is the matter with you? Are you her father or not? That's what I said to him. He said, well, I'm not coming back. He got loud with me. You're your stupid church. I said, well, I don't want you to come back with that attitude. Just go on with yourself. I don't understand that as a father. Hallelujah. So sometimes creative miracles will get people healed, but it will cause other people to get mad at you. See, I'm just kind of a rugged type faith person. You don't know me, most of you. Dale knows me if he's in here. He's been with me 40 years. Brother Pastor Keith knows me and Cynthia. They've been with me 33 years. So some people do know me, but most people really don't know me. You know, I'm just kind of a rugged faith person. I didn't try to be a rugged cowboy faith person, but that's what I had to become in, the, in the, all these years in ministry. And I just held on to Jesus and held on to his word, and he has so blessed me for that. Are you listening to me? Yeah, I'm telling you, there's some reality to what I'm saying. The door to the supernatural has one knob, and it's on your side of the door. So if you don't ever have any supernatural in your life, it's your deal. You're, you're doing it or not doing it. Now, you're not me. I'm not you. I don't expect you to be me, but I'm going to just talk to you about how God uses me. Some of the things, I don't have time to tell everything, and I'm certainly not bragging because I'm going to read what I'm going to show you here. It's real important you pay attention to me. Look, look at Acts 15, verse 12. Then all the multitude like tonight, kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, these two men, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. So God did it, but he did it through people. You need to listen to me here. I'm not saying I do miracles. I'm saying the God in me is capable of doing these things. I've been eyewitnesses of it. See, what's this is on evidence. I mean, you would have just thought that father would have just laid down in the reception room and the mother when God did a miracle for their baby. You would have just think they'd have just burst into tears or praise and, and, and let, the, let the rest of the nonsense people there just flip out. It didn't matter. I mean, if God did that for me or my kid, I would be thrilled. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Notice that God did it, but he did it through people. This is significant because God still wants to use you. Yeah, I don't know that you're called fivefold. There might be a few of you in here. There might be a bunch of you in here. But I know God's called me to minister to the younger generation, at least to some level, and that's what I'm attempting to do. And I'm showing you here that God did it, but he used people to do it. See, we're co-laboring with God. God's not doing, he's not doing stuff without us, and I'm not doing something without him. Let's get that straight. Are you listening? Yeah. I said something to somebody about my church one time. I started a church, and you started it. And I said, yeah, God and I started it. What do you mean? I mean, he didn't start it without me. It's my church. He told me to start that church. I'm the one that laid on that birthing table to give birth to that church. But he wanted to argue because he thought I was being arrogant and I was saying that God helped me, but God didn't build my church without me. He's, you need to catch on. You're co-laboring with God. He's not working without you, and hopefully you're not working without him. If you are, you're doing without a lot. Yeah. Let's go to Acts 19. Look at this over here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're just getting started good. Acts 19, uh, let me find this here, verse 11 and 12. And it says in 
verse 11, Acts 19, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Notice, God did it, but he did it through Paul's hands. Isn't that interesting? He didn't do it through his hands. It was his hand in a symbolic way, but we're the body, so the hands of Jesus are our hands. The feet of Jesus are our feet. Are you listening? Let me read it again, and I'm going to read verse 12. And God wrought special miracles. I think the Amplified says unusual and extraordinary miracles. I mean, a miracle would be good in itself, but he said unusual and extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought into the sick handkerchiefs or aprons or cloth, and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Again, I'm pointing out to you in verse 11, God did it, but he used Paul. The last one, it said he used Paul, I think, in Barnabas. Yeah. So we're talking about something that's important here. We're talking about the working of miracles. Uh, you know, miracles aren't always instant either. That's We want to make that clear. Sometimes you can get the beginning of a miracle, and if you hold fast to your faith that you got it, that it'll manifest in you eventually. I, I don't want to turn there, but John 4 tells us that a guy came for, for his son to Jesus, said, my son's at the point of death. Come lay hands on him. He lives in a totally different city. And he said, go your way, your son lives. And so the man started back because he believed the word that Jesus spoke. And when he got close to his city, his servant that was taking care of his son ran to meet him and said, hey, your boy's recovering. And the Bible says that's the second miracle that Jesus did. So he didn't, he didn't get it in all one fell swoop, but the miracle began when Jesus said, go your way. The word was sent, go your way, your son liveth. And he said to his servant, what time did he begin to amend or begin to turn? He said, the seventh hour. And he realized that's the same time Jesus said, go your way. But it wasn't an instant miracle, but it did happen. Hallelujah. So we're talking about some things here. Let's go over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You still with me? I'm just getting started good. Don't get weary. Because we're talking about the supernatural power of God. And every believer has a right to tap into that at some level. And you may not need a miracle today, but I bet you if you're a real person and a real human being, someday you might need one or somebody you love might need one. You know, my daughter needed a miracle a few years ago. She had a brain tumor the size of a hardball. It's one quarter size of her brain. Had all kinds of veins and arteries going through it. And the doctor said, well, it would probably be a long surgery, several hours, like maybe eight or nine or ten. It would end up being about four or five. But he said, there's a lot of stuff i got to do to be sure I don't hurt. You know, get, because they said, when you know, we're through, just, I'm just being what I was told. You may not use the bathroom. You may not be able to talk. You may not be able to work. You may not be able to walk. You might not even... Make it off the table. But we said, no, we, we, we're going to believe God. Yeah, and we did, and she's alive and well and, and doing good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you listening? See, I paid attention when I was younger to how people got healed, and I just rolled it over into the next person I met. My son-in-law just had massive surgery for uh, cancer in the esophagus area. And uh, he came through it and did really well, but he had some, some blood clots, they said, that formed in his leg or his arm, I think. I don't remember. But nonetheless, I, said to, I called him up when my daughter called my, my wife and talked to her. Uh, and I said, you know, I called him immediately. I said to my wife, well... <laughs> That guy I prayed for in Texas, God wrote a rooter to all his arteries in his, around his heart. He had hardening of the arteries. I don't know if you knew the story. You probably didn't. You weren't there. But it was in Dr. Hannibal's church, and I had a word of knowledge about a heart issue, something about a heart. And I'm going to tell these stories because it'll help you if you pay attention to me. And, and so I gave it. I gave out that word three or four times. And finally, you know, I like I you probably heard me, some of you that know me in, in our own church, if I call out something and nobody responds eventually, I'm going to move on. 
you know, and I'm not going to pray for you in the parking lot if you run after me either. You're too, you know, embarrassed or arrogant to come forward to just deal with it. But just talking. So <clears throat> I said internally to the Lord, you know, I have a relationship. I'm not sure about other people, but I have a relationship with Jesus. He's talking to me every day. I said, Lord, if, he, if nobody responds, I'm going to move on. He says, no, you're not. I said, okay, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to figure it out. Okay. So for the fifth time, I said, okay. Somebody's here, got problems with your heart. Something about your heart. I don't know if it's an irregular heartbeat, if it's a heart murmur. You, you've had surgery. I don't know, something to do with your heart area, maybe the blood flow or whatever. Finally, a guy standing over here, he was, he was assigned to come up and help me line the people up that were going to respond to the things I was calling out. You with me? So he didn't pay any attention to himself. He's standing there like a totem pole. And finally, the fifth time I said it, he goes, well, uh, hmm, Dr. Jacobs, that might be me. I said, well, what is it? He said, I have hardening of the arteries around my heart. I said, you should have got up here sooner. And I laid hands on him. He went back to his cardio, cardiac people, five doctors in a, in a grouping that do heart surgeries and heart, and he sent me the medical report. They couldn't believe it. It reads at the top. I have the copy at home. You are in the top 5% to have a heart attack or stroke because of the cloggage in your arteries. Go to your heart. He'd been sick since he was 21 years old. He's 52, so that's 30 years he had that problem, and it escalates as it gets older. They said, we could give you blood thinners to thin your blood, because he said to them, he went back and they said, somebody gave you a Roto-Rooter job. We've, and he said, well, how often do you see this? said, we've never heard of it. It's irreversible. Hardening of the arteries are irreversible. We can give you medicine to thin your blood to get you through little holes where the blood can still get through. But we've never heard of anybody that some, some, some force went through there and, and cleaned out all this plaque and all that garbage out of all those arteries. And at the hey yeah, and at the bottom of that uh, thing from the doctors, they said well, you are in the top five percent to never have any heart issue the rest of your life. And he and when he said, well, how often? They said we've never heard of it. And he said they said to him, by the way, we read heart journals from all over the world where there's heart doctors, because that's what we do. We've never, ever heard of this. It's a miracle. <laughs> you know? Yeah. How does God do that? He's just so good about what he does. He's not practicing nothing. He's going to do it. We had a guy come to our church, just a visitor guy, had prostate cancer. And we, I prayed for him. And I, when he was in the service and we had a healing meeting, and I prayed for him. And it's like somebody threw a grenade right here, and half of that group fell out, and half of this group fell out, and I went back against the steps. It's the power of God hit us. It's like a grenade went on. We didn't. Nobody got hurt, but he got totally healed. He came back two weeks. He said, "Hey, I'm free of cancer." <laughs> now this is what I'm thinking. I don't know how you think. This is how I like to think in the spirit. How does God know how to go into a prostate, which is a small organ, but vital, and take out every cancer cell and leave everything else intact? He's just Father. He knows how to do working a miracle. He knows how to work a miracle. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm getting excited about this. I was in Olathe, Kansas a few years ago, and I got up to speak, and I got... I got kind of befuddled. What I mean by that is I, I knew I was going to do something, but I couldn't get my hand on it. You know, I couldn't get it up to come up clarity. And so I don't know. I'm talking, saying something. And all of a sudden I stopped and I said, somebody's here with uh, erratic fluid levels in your liver. And then I stopped and thought, oh, my gosh, what did I just say? What does that mean? Pastor Keith, you were with me. You were with me, weren't you? Yeah, and, and a pastor sitting right here, he jumped up and he said, well, that's me, Dr. Jacobs. I laid hands, he's an ex-drug addict like me. Anyway, he's a pastor now, and laid hands on him on a Friday night. That's the last I saw him. He called me eight months later. I said, what took you so long to call me, brother? Come on now, pick it up a little closer. 
And he said, I went back Monday. They, he went Friday day. And they said, you have erratic fluid levels in your liver because he's ex-drug addict like me. He said, you're in trouble. You need to come back Monday. We need to take a lot of blood. We need to examine you more thoroughly because you're in trouble, sir. He said, I went back Monday and they did all their exams. He said, somebody up, you know, they're, somebody up there likes you. <laughs> we know somebody up there loves us. <laughs> somebody in here loves us, you know. God's in us. But, you know, see, and see, that's the thing in my head. See, for a minute there, I kind of thought, what did I just say? Have I lost my mind? I don't even know what erratic fluid levels mean to a liver. But evidently, it was serious. See, that's where you have to learn to trust God. Now, you may not operate like I do in words of knowledge like that. But see, and you know, I've been in this a long time. I just told you I got spirit filled in 78. So that's in 78. That's almost 40 years now, I think. Will be 2018, thereabouts, right? Okay. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 12 here. Here we are at 1 Corinthians 12. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. So God doesn't want us to be ignorant of these things. And I'd like to put another emphasis on the word now. You see, if I just, if I, I'm not going to go back to the pulpit, but it says now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. The Greek says now concerning the things that pertain to the spirit, brethren. And that includes cistern. I would not have you ignorant. So listen, every time you read that, it updates it to the current moment. See, I went to a seminary, very academic, very prestigious, and they said, all that's been done away with. Well, it hadn't been, how do you do away with now? And besides that, these are not my gifts or your gifts. These are gifts of the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost isn't with us, then we're all going to hell. We don't have any way to get born again. We don't have any way to become a new creature. So, see, their, their thinking's erroneous because they don't know anything about what I'm talking to you about. I sit on many an airplane. <laughs> oh, my. I've rode so many airplanes sometimes. Anyway, I'm sitting, and the guy next to me says he's an elder in a Presbyterian church. Oh, really? And we got, I listened to him a minute. He's full of religion, but I'm listening to him. He says, your pastor ever lay, uh, lay hands on people? What do you mean? I mean line them up and lay hands on them to be healed. Said, no, he don't do that. He said, do you ever cast, he cast out devils? What's that? Did you ever have a word of knowledge? What's that? I said, you ever read 1 Corinthians? Mm, I don't think so. He's an elder. Well, you can imagine if somebody in that status is an elder and he don't know anything I'm talking about, he don't know nothing. So if we don't, if we don't contend, if I don't contend, and bless God, I'm going to contend whether you do or not, I'm going to be contending until I get out of this planet for the supernatural power of God to work in my life. And really, to be honest about it, it's not working in my life just for me. It's working for you. Because we haven't got that far in 1 Corinthians 12, but verse 7 says, The Spirit of God, the manifestation of the Spirit are given to every person to profit with all. They're, not given, they give, they're given to profit me too, but normally the gifts of Spirit don't work to help me. They help the body of Christ. Don't misunderstand me. God could use something and tell me something that I need to know. But anyway, you with me? All right. Now let's read up here. Look at verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. I just quoted that. Verse 8. To one's given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge. These are all different gifts. By the same Spirit. And to another faith, or it should read special faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healings. It should read by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. That's what I want you to see. The working of miracles is just one of the gifts of the Spirit, and that's what I've felt led to talk to you about tonight. Now, what is the working of a miracle? Let me give you a definition. It's a supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature. It, we would say, there's another way to say it. Miracles defy reason. Miracles just defy reason. I know, Katie, you here tonight? Katie Ziegler, she here? Huh? Okay, you back here? Oh, I see you. Yeah, her mother's Helen, and she goes to my church, and she's a, she's a nurse now. She's our end wonderful Lord. I don't want to talk about you. You're going to start crying because she helped me with my son-in-law so much recently. 
and Jessica, help Jessica, my daughter. But she works at the hospital. But her mother was a surgical nurse for 35, 40 years, I think. Is that about right? Something like that. Yeah. And she had a growth growing in the back of her throat somehow, and it had gotten so large, she got in a prayer line with me on a Sunday morning and said, I'm having a hard time, you know, swallowing stuff now. And in other words, you know, if I, something doesn't happen, I'm going to have to go see about it and have it removed surgically or find out what this is. Something's growing in here. I just laid hands on it. I said, I cursed that and commanded it to dissolve and then went on. She went home after church, said, had lunch with her family, took a nap, woke up. It was gone. Where did it go? It got swallowed up of life. The life of God took care of it. What difference where it went? It's gone. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, and some of us need to talk more about this. I'm not bragging on me. Listen, I, I couldn't heal you in my own strength. I don't, but I'm anointed to bring healing power to this generation. I didn't see it like I see it today, but I'm looking way back, and I see where there was a pattern that God was going to raise me up to help people. Hallelujah. Now, let me, let me move on just a little bit here. Let's, go, let's, go, let, let's see here. Did I tell you that? The definition, supernatural intervention in the ordinary course of nature, miracles defy reason. I remember one time a lady was, uh, stood for me in a prayer line. She had a big tumor about the size of a grapefruit, and it was like right here on her body. Can everybody see that? Kind of like right here. And she said, I have this tumor, Dr. Jacobs, and it's, it's growing. And the Lord said, hit her as hard as you can with your fist at the tumor. So it went, bam! And that thing just melted under my hand. Just dissipated, disappeared. Did I scare you? Good. No, I'm not... I didn't mean to hurt your ears, but, yeah, I'm not normally punching women in the stomach, but in that case, God, now see, if I hadn't obeyed God, that probably wouldn't have happened. See, that's another thing. You, see, you get out of your head, see. You got to get out of your head. And not that you're going to slug everybody. That's only happened twice in my life, and in both cases, I had 100%. Another lady I hit in the stomach, this evil spirit came out of her chest and flew through the wall of the church. I saw it. She came up to me after the service. I was so glad she got delivered. Her husband's a Marine. Yeah. Went to Iraq. And God, you know, she was in my meeting. She's a member of my church. And she came up for depression. You had a lot of people delivered from depression. And only with her, though, God said, hit her in the stomach as hard as you can. So, I, what you know, I was really being a good pastor, and I just laid my hands on this lady. You would have been proud of me. I said a good pastoral prayer. And she, she stood there a minute and started to walk back, and the Lord yelled at me in here. Are you going to obey me or not? He was ticked. I said, Tawana, come back. God's got something special for you. <laughs> True story. And I'm so glad she shut her eyes and lifted her <laughs> let her have it <laughs> and she just fell out and but this spirit came out of her chest looked like a bird had a demonic head on it i've seen a lot of things i'm not trying to freak you out but she got delivered and i saw that thing struggle coming out at the end and then he flew through the wall so i'm not going to say that to anybody so after the service she comes up to me and says i said they tell you i hit you pretty hard yeah but you know i didn't feel it i just felt the power of god but something odd happened i said really what happened to you well, it just seemed like something came out of my chest kind of struggling. I said, I, it was an evil spirit. It was a spirit of depression. And it left you. <laughs> no, I'm not making this up, and I don't watch science fiction movies. These are real things that happen to a real person. You don't go to hell for lying, too. No, I'm, not, I'm just telling you the truth. Now, I'm not telling you everything, but I'm telling you an inkling of things so you can understand that some of us in the body of Christ are called to do things like that. What are you going to do for all these people I mentioned if I didn't do that? Well, I don't know. Maybe they're dead. Maybe they would have been crippled. Maybe they've been impaired the rest of their life. I, I don't know for sure. I just know I did my part. And that doesn't mean everything's, uh, you know, hunky-dory with everybody. There's other things sometimes that prohibit, you know, what I'd like to do because I have faith and I know what I'm doing. But some people are just so, you know, religious. And some, even a few of them are evil. 
And so some of them I can't help if they get combative and ugly and stuff like that. And I've had that happen a few times. But, you know, I, I don't think that's smart to, to joke around about supernatural things and act like you don't need it, you know. This, this life, this Christian life, we call it, the Christian life, is a supernatural life to begin with. Everything about it is supernatural. You know, really, I know my Bible fairly well. I don't know nuclear fission. I'm not a brain surgeon. I'm not a foot specialist, but I do know my Bible. But most importantly, I know the Holy Ghost, and I know what he's called me to do. But my point is, God didn't even come to take us to heaven. He come to put heaven in us down here. That's the reality. He come to put something in us to cause us to be victorious in this lousy planet. It don't have to be lousy for you if you understand what I'm saying and get a hold of things of what you are in Christ and understand what your calling is and what God's anointed you to do. You may not be like me, but you'll still have an inkling of the supernatural, especially when you have the Holy Ghost. Because he's an expert at that. Okay, let's go to Acts 2.22 a minute. I want to show you something about Jesus. You still with me, aren't you? Because, I mean, we're really getting ready to go into something here, and I'm gonna, then I'm going to minister to you. If you need a miracle, I, I'm going to ask you to come in a few minutes. If you say, well, I need deliverance, you can get in the same line, same anointing, get you healed, same anointing, get you delivered. Or you may, I have refreshing in my hands. You might just come because you want that. That's fine, too. But, I mean, if you need a miracle, you'd be thinking with me. See, if I, was, if I wasn't teaching that, you might have some faith in the supernatural. But I'm specifically teaching you on the supernatural. And, and I haven't even brought up angels that work with me. Got all kind, and I'm going to bring one up in a minute because it involves a little boy that got healed by ministry in Costa Rica. But let me find a reference here, Acts 2.22. Now, we found out from Acts some other places that God did things through people. Isn't that right? And here it says, you men of Israel, Acts 2.22, you men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of of you. Notice this, even Jesus, it says, God did it by Jesus. Even Jesus didn't do it just by himself. I don't think you see that yet. You need to make a note of this. It says, Jesus, a man. You catch that? I know he's virgin born. Believe me, I know my New Testament. I made good grades in seminary, though it wasn't much to learn, but I did learn something. And uh, since then, I've learned a whole lot more. But here, it says, Jesus, the man. And the reason I'm bringing that out, when Jesus said, the works I do, you could do also, that couldn't be possible if he was the man. And even, even the Bible's just, I just read it to you. You ought to mark that, the man. Because your relatives tell you, yeah, but he was son of God. Well, he was. I'm not debating that. But he was a man that was anointed by the Spirit of God. And he got God's approval because he did right, lived right, and God worked with him through miracles, signs, and wonders, which God did by Jesus. See, I'm trying to help you identify with, you're seated with Christ now. You're not a sub-heir, you're a joint heir. This just sounds too good to be true. That's what I'm trying to tell you. But it's the truth. The Bible's the truth. And when we, had, we had believe it and take it to us, then we'll begin to grow up into Christ in all things. Hallelujah. Let's go over to Acts 8 a minute. Let's look at something here. This is in the ministry of Philip. We learning anything? Hallelujah. Acts 8, chapter 8, verse 4. Uh, let me see here. Uh, 4 through 8. And then I think I may read verse 13. But... Acts 8, verse, verses 4 through 8. It says, And they, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. 
Wow. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many and that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. So Philip had a ministry then to the palsied to, for deliverance, and he did other miracles here. It says, let me see here. Uh, many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. Let me, let me read verse 13. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. I read verse 12. I meant to read 13. Then Philip, excuse me, then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and the signs which were done. So here Philip's got a miracle ministry. But look at verse 7 again. It says, many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. I did some study on that, and it means that um, it's a body part that's disabled or impaired, especially limbs, sometimes marked by stiffness or soreness. So this, this is what he, he specifically had that type of anointing in his life. And I remember I had a little boy in my church. I don't, let's just call him John. It was my second church I pastored, and he had, he had parents, of course, and they came to church. But he came on his own one Sunday morning, and I'm not making fun of him, but he had, uh, what was that, Dale, muscular dystrophy or cerebral palsy? There, he had a hand that went like that, and this other leg, he just drug it like that. I'm not making fun. And he came up to the altar, and Mom and Dad were in their seats. I gave him an invitation to be healed, and he came up and said, Pastor, lay your hands on me, I'll be healed. I said, okay. I laid hands on him and said, thanks, I got it. He went back to his seat like that. But within a month, he was buttoning his shirt, zipping his pants. Within two months, he's tying his shoes. And by a year later, he was playing basketball on the junior high team. Leg normal, hand normal. Hallelujah. I got an angel that works with me uh, that does lungs, lung situations. And I was in Costa Rica a couple years ago, and I had a young boy. He was a grandson of the man that asked me to come to that nation. And I'm not making fun of him, but this is the way he breathes. And he's just sitting talking to him. He'd go like that. And and so he got in my prayer line because I said, if you have a lung problem, come. And when he got in my line, actually, that was the first meeting this angel showed up. He's got like a laser coming out of this finger. And he goes across people's chests and he clears up that lung issue. And this little boy got in the line and there came that angel and he did this to him. And I didn't see him until later that night. That was a morning service. And he went home, let's call him Jose. And his mom looked over and Jose was in the corner and he was going. <laughs> and his mother said, what are you doing, Jose? He said, Mama, I'm breathing. And what I found out, he was born with a deformity in his chest that caused his air to restrict, and he had to kind of fight for every breath, and that was all removed just in a moment of time, about 30 seconds. Hallelujah. See, I'm talking about working in miracles. Now, who would have thought that? I mean, even myself, when I first got saved, you know, I knew God was big because he, he saved me from drug addiction and all my nonsense. But, you know, I've learned over the years he is so much bigger. And the more I study and the more I love him and the more I read him, I go, man, you're really big. <laughs> you're a big father. He knows how to take care of things. And so I don't know what that angel, I saw the angel work on his lung. And it seemed, I don't know if he moved the bones around or not, but I just saw that finger and the light shooting out of that finger go through those lungs. But that boy was totally normal after that. <laughs> Hallelujah. And talk to you about a couple things here. I think it'd be helpful. Let me see where I'm at here in my list of things. Praise the Lord. Let's go to Acts 4 a minute. Look at something here. Acts 4, 29 and 30. And you ought to make a note of this, these two verses right here and begin to pray them every day for yourself and for your church. Because it says, uh, says here, Acts 4, 29, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, talking about the uh, people is uh, the people of uh, you know where they live were persecuting the church, and he said, "Lord, behold their threatenings. They threatened them, and grant unto your servants that with all boldness 
they may speak thy word, all boldness, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders, wouldn't that be miracles, may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. So, you know, we need to pray those. We need to be praying Acts 4, 29 and 30 for ourselves on a day. Father, extend your hand to heal. Give me boldness to speak. I'm not going to be intimidated. I don't remember who other, the other speakers who said what, but I know they've talked to us this week about not being ashamed or not being cowardly or not being held back or not, you know, being withdrawn. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes you just have to step out. I'm not Superman, but I know him. His name's Jesus. <laughs> okay. I was on an airplane a few years ago, about 30,000 feet up in the air, and the stewardess came on. Is there a doctor in the plane? Somebody's having a seizure. Well, I'm a doctor, but I'm theological. And, and uh, so nobody came to the rescue. Well, she came back by me, the stewardess, the people that evidently were behind me. I didn't see anything where I was seated. And I tapped her on the shoulder when she came by, and I said, hey, I'm a pastor. I'll be glad to pray for whoever's sick back there. She said, I'll go ask them. She came back. They want you to come. And so I walked back to the plane. Now, you know, all the plane's paying attention because the stewardess got on and said, somebody's having an epileptic seizure on the aircraft. And so I got back to them. The lady was on the aisle. He was towards the window. And she said, oh, thank God you came. I said, let me get into him. I laid my hands on his head. I said, now, listen, everybody, I'm going to pray. You hearing me? You sinners? No. <laughs> but I didn't go down. Father, we just pray that you would. I said, Father, I thank you for delivering this man. I command this to stop in his life right now. His eyes were rolled back. He was slobbering and kind of his head was moving, and he just stopped. And I told his wife, I said, I'm going to go back to my seat, ma'am. I'm going to run. You have a Bible with you? No, sir. We're Catholic. We're from Louisville. I said, well, that's great. You're Catholic, but when you get off the plane, go to the, in the airport, or if whoever's picking you up, have them take you to a Christian bookstore and buy you a Bible. You can buy a cheap one for five bucks probably. And I'm going to write some scriptures down, and I'm going to bring a list back to you, and you read those to him every day, and you and him meditate on them. Think about it. She said, oh, thank God, thank God you came. I said, well, I'm, I wasn't trying to be a hero. I wasn't trying to be a show, show out. But see, somebody was in need of something supernatural to happen. I don't know if the guy would have went into some kind of, you know, cardiac arrest, or I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I just know he was struggling. But he didn't have any more episodes until we landed. I mean, than I know of, he didn't do anything. And they thanked me when we got off. Hallelujah. You got to be bold sometimes. Okay, now what was I saying? I was going somewhere. Okay. <laughs> Praying those prayers. In Acts 4, 29, 30, and you need to meditate on them and just pray them every day. Father, we just pray for boldness in our life. Father, we just thank you. You haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And Father, I pray that you help me have the words to speak to people today when it's necessary. And sometimes God may tell you to stay out of it. Other times he may tell you to get in it. You know what I'm saying? I was behind two, two guys in pickup trucks. It's been a few years now. And they were stopped up in front of me, about two other cars up from me. And the guy in the front got stopped his truck and got a ball bat. And he was coming for the guy in the second car. And the Lord said, do not stop for this. So I just drove on around them. Prayed for them that they'd live. You know what I'm saying? Just talking to you. Made you quiet. I don't know why you got you quiet on me. You know, just pay attention. The Holy Ghost knows what you should be involved in. But I was in Nashville over at Rivergate one time, and there was five girls in a fist fight right outside the, the restaurant there. Oh, my God. One of them's pregnant, and they're beating her in the belly, and there's one tall man, and he's trying to handle six teenagers. My wife's trying to say, stop the car. I'm getting out. No, Michael. I said, stop the car. And I got out and went over there and grabbed a couple of them myself and broke it up and and, you know, there's all the people in the restaurant dipping their French fries, eating their hands. Like this is like cage fighting out in the mall. What's the matter with you people? You chicken livers? Well, I can say something else, but I can't say that. But anyway, what's up with people? No, it's not here I come to save the day. 
But, I mean, if God tells me to get involved, I'll get right in the middle of something. But and I pay attention. If God says, don't get involved in that, and I just drive on around and pray for him to live and not die, whoever's going to do whatever. Because I used to carry a ball bat in my car. I know what ball bats will do. You don't want to be on the other end of a ball bat. All right. Just talking to you here. Don't carry ball bats no more. Not doing nothing to hurt anybody. Trying to help everybody. Some people are just so rebellious you can't help them. And they won't let you help them. Well, I was in Peru in South America uh, a couple of years ago with Dr. Dufresne. I went down with him, and I was preaching on redemption, and I told about a girl in Indiana getting healed of scoliosis of the spine. That's your spine's crooked, either out or in or sideways like that. And a lady was there from Canada. I didn't know it at the time. She just got in my line. All the people there were Hispanic people. So the next day I came in, I was walking down the aisle, it was about time for the bell to ring. She said, Dr. Jacobs, can I talk to you? And I said, she spoke perfect English. I said, where are you from? She said, I'm Canadian. I want to tell you about I got in your prayer line last night. said I had scoliosis of the spine and I had a big knot in the middle of my spine about that big that stuck up and it just radiated pain constantly. She said, when you laid hands on me, I didn't feel anything, but I went home. My husband's with me on this trip. Went to bed, it was still there, but I woke up, the knot's gone, my spine's straight. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so uh, uh, I saw her in the airport, and I'm going to my airline. She's with Canadian Air, and I yelled over, hey, lady with the heel back. I said, how long had you had that? She said, I was born with it. She's probably 33 years old, but just in a... In the evening, God just took all that, straightened her spine, removed the knot, the, whatever that was. Hallelujah. You still here? All right. Hang on. I'm just about ready to. Yeah, I'd like to, you know, I like to talk to you about these things. I, I didn't, I don't think I got back to, uh, I didn't tell you fully about Jacob and the blood clots, I think. Uh, remember, I said he had blood clots, but what the Lord said to me, maybe I did tell you this, First Corinthians 2, let's go over there a minute. Uh, but when they told me that he had some issues with some blood uh, clot, I said to my wife, well, if God would do that for a guy's heart in Texas, he'd do that for a guy's leg. So I called Jacob up immediately on the phone. I said, hey, this is Dad. I'm on the way to the meeting today. I want to tell you. And I prayed with him. And I believe it's resolved. See, when you pray, make it stick. The problem with a lot of people, they talk, 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 never make anything stick. That's why you don't get any answers. You've got to fight the good fight of faith, my friends. It's not a game. It might be for you, but it isn't for somebody else that's on the line. You need to make your words stick. Now, you're not going to get this way overnight, but if I don't teach you this and don't talk to you straight about it, you're never going to get there. I mean, either your pastor or me or whoever. You see what I'm saying? Somebody's got to challenge you to grow up in faith. I mean, if I didn't add anything else on my faith right now, I have to believe for at least at a minimum a million dollars a year just to run church on the rock, and I'm not even really on staff there now. That's to pay for other people's salaries, pay for the building. Just talking to you here, I, your wheels are clicking. I didn't start out at that level. I started out believing God for $5 or $2 or $10, but, hey, I didn't play with this thing. It continued to move. And as it moved, I moved with it. And I kept pace with it. And I thought about my faith every day since that. I mean, my faith is my most valuable asset I own. My faith. I know where my Bible's at every day, all day. I mean, if you hid my Bible, I'd whip you. You know, because I won't know where my Bible's at. No, I'm not yelling at you. I'm trying to help you. You've got to get radical. If you're going to be a person like me, you've got to get radical. Or just go home and live in your church and do what you do, get married, have kids, and die someday. But you can have a supernatural experience and a supernatural adventure with God like I've had for over 30 years. And in addition to that, I didn't even like to fly, and God said, I'm calling you to missions, and I've been on over 105 mission trips, cost me over $350,000, and that's in addition to the million. <laughs> I'm not talking about money just for money's sake. The money I believe for is to help people. 
I'm not running a beer joint or strip club. Hello? Anybody listening? And your pastors need your faith to grow to help them achieve what they have for their visions. And you have a part in it, bringing your supply in the ministry of help, bringing your prayer supply, bringing your faith supply, bringing your financial supply, bringing your word supply. Come on. I know I'm preaching better than you're saying amen now. Hallelujah. Listen, I mean, Retro Jones, she goes to Pastor Keith and Cynthia's church, Dr. Rogan's church. She had an aneurysm in her brain. That's like a vessel, if I understand it, that's ballooned up. And they, she had to take medication. She was in pain. She couldn't sleep at night. Uh, I think that's 15 years ago about Pastor and Cynthia, something like that. And I laid hands on her, didn't know why I was laying hands on her. Talking about Retro Jones. She goes to Dr. Rogan's church. She said, I was taking medicine every night to sleep, but pain was so. And, of course, if you have an aneurysm and it explodes or bursts, you're in big trouble. If it don't kill you, you may be, you know, not able to think again, not able to talk again, or all kinds of complications in your brain. But she said, I, after you prayed for me that night, I went home. I wasn't in any pain. I didn't take my medicine. I didn't tell her not to take it. I've never told anybody not to take medicine. If you don't know not to take it, I can't tell you. I'm not out killing people, doing stupid stuff. But she said that kept on for two weeks. I didn't need any medicine. I was, so I went back to my doctor, and he gave me a, what is that called, a CAT scan or it's your brain? He said, Retro, it's gone. Here's the old film. Here's the new film. It's not on there. Hey. I just saw her a few in the last six months, and she said she still doesn't take medicine for that. It's been healed all these years. See, supernatural things can happen. And in that particular case, God hid it from me. I didn't know why I was praying for her. He just, I said, that lady right there, come up here. And I laid hands on her. And then I was in Honduras. I, I loved Honduras. I loved going there. But the people that I was connected to back then, they, you know, we just went separate ways. But anyway, I prayed for a lady down there named Miriam Cabrera. She had had a tailbone problem for 30 years. Got in a healing line one night, and God supernaturally healed her. Her and her husband, they were, he was a chef, and they had a restaurant there in, T in Tegucigalpa, which is the capital of Honduras. And they always had us for lunch, me and my crew. I'm about done. And they went to their house the next day, and she said, Doc Jacob, sit here, and Pastor so-and-so sit there. I want to tell you what happened last night. I said, I'd love to know because I saw you in the line. She said, I fell as a little girl. I was six years old. I cracked my tailbone. And she said, I have had problems ever since. I said, what kind of problems? said, severe problems. What, you mean pain? Yeah, pain level. I couldn't. Yeah, I got three children, but I couldn't drive more than 30 minutes. I have to get out of the car and walk around. I couldn't take it anymore. And I said, I wouldn't normally ask a woman this, but since you know me pretty well, Miriam, I'm going to ask you, how old are you? She said, I'm 41. So that means 35 years. I'm, I'm, I'm interrogating her. 35 years you've had pain? Yes, sir. Severe pain? Yes, sir. But it left, left me immediately. And this is what she told me. She said, somebody said you hit me kind of harder on the head. I said, well, I did. She said, I never felt it. But I felt this electric current start at my neck go down to my tailbone. And when it got down there, I felt a hand above the injured area and a hand below it and jerk it. And all the pain left. And that was about 15 years ago. All right. I got a missionary down there. She just ran into her. I, she said, Doc Jacob said to ask you how you're doing. Miriam said, tell him I'm still healed. First Corinthians 2. We're just about done here. Look at verse 4 and 5. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Notice your, your faith needs to be in the power of God tonight. Not in me, not just have faith in me, but have faith in the power of God that I'm walking in. And then let's go, last but not least, let's go to Romans 1. I got a lot of other testimonies, but I'm going to have to close because I've been talking a while. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. This is, I'm doing a book on this, this, these two verses right now. I long to see you, Paul says, that I may impart unto you 
some spiritual gift, and really it we're translated better out of my endowment that God's given me, uh, to the end you might be established, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So what does this mean? This means I'll have faith to release what I have into you, and you have faith to take it. See, I'll release my faith to you, and you take, you by faith you receive it. You know, you have an inward man and an outward man. I'm an outward man, I'm holding the mic. But I got an inward man in here, and he can take a hold of things in the spirit. Because he's a spirit man. So that's what I'm saying. If you're open to the spirit tonight, and you by faith come receiving, say, you know, I'd say it under your breath, Father, I'm going to receive. Let's all say this right now. You say it with me, whether you're coming in the line or not. Say, Father, I thank you. I'm putting myself in receiving mode. And when Dr. Jacobs lays hands on me, I'll receive. I'll be healed. I'll be delivered. I'll be refreshed. I will receive a miracle. And I will take it by faith in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's how you do it. See, always remember to talk to yourself like that, you know, when you're receiving. And like if you need something to not, you know, something later in life that we're not dealing with tonight, it would do you good to take time to get in the Word and let it renew your mind before you just take off praying, saying some words you really don't believe. Hallelujah. You still with me? I don't know how long I've been going. Significantly long enough. We just gave you a few things. We've had some wonderful miracles of healings and deliverances all over the planet. I'm not bragging on me. You have to know me, know my heart. But I'm just sharing, you know, like we learned that what in Acts 15 it says they were attentive to hear Paul and Barnabas declare what miracles God had done through them. So stand to your feet with me. And I think for the start, let's just put on some uh, CD music because the band, may, they may want to come for ministry too, and then later I may have the band come and do some live music. If you, need, if you want something, come on up and line up, and the ushers will help you.